the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Hey folks, welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain. Today we have a special guest, first time on the show, uh, Sam Kamani. How are you? Very good. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for inviting me. Um, hello, everyone. Um, I'm Sam Kamani from Product Done. And yeah. Great to, great, great to have you here. Now, we're going to get into uh, hearing a little bit about um, Product Done later on in the show and also to hear about your new book, The 30-Day Startup. So, yeah, very, very much looking forward to that. Now, if we've got listeners who happen to be sitting in front of their computer, I'll mention it now. If you want to win a copy of The 30-Day Startup, and there are other prizes uh, also uh, coming on coming online. Um, please go and help us with our listener survey at nztechpodcast.com slash survey. And if you forget about that at the end of the show, we will give you a reminder uh, then as well. Uh, but we have uh, three copies to give away, I think. Well, yes. actually, I prefer it was two because I want to read one of these. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think it's it's three. So uh, um, listeners are, are in luck. And, uh, yeah, there will be some other stuff. But without further ado, let's, uh, let's get straight into it. Lots going on, as always, in the tech world. Now... I wanted to start with a cybersecurity story. This one uh, really jumped out at me in the media. Was that the Weather Channel went off air after getting hit with a uh, a ransomware attack in the last few days? Not an ideal uh, position for a broadcaster to get uh, taken out to the extent that uh, you know actually they're uh, they're they're taken off air for a period, is it? Yes, that is correct. Um, there's just been so much activity on the on the ransomware side. Um, I mean, I, I live these days in the world of tech startups and and SaaS products. Uh, so SaaS, for those who don't know, it's software as a service, um, and in fact. These ransomware companies are getting so advanced that these days they are releasing products such as RAS, which is ransomware as a service. It's crazy, isn't so it? So pretty much you can sign up and build your own <laughs> RAS product <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> online. So yeah, that's why there is there. And we think that there's only going to be more and more um, ransomware out there in the wild. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, as you say, when you can, you know, basically buy a ransom ransomware as a as a service, you know, yes. off the shelf, go online, you know, credit card details or Bitcoin, however you pay for it. I haven't uh, I haven't jumped jumped in and uh, and tested that out myself, but <laughs> when it is that uh, yes. that that easy, you can understand why we we continue seeing an increase. And look. In the case of uh, broadcasters, you would somewhat expect that they would really be very sharp at their game and yeah. would have things locked down. Now, of course, you can never be 100% secure, yes. but I was talking about this on a TV interview sort of a week or so back, and... I think it was the day after that, I got an email from a very large broadcaster in New Zealand and oh. sounded like they had been they had been hit, not with yeah. uh, rans- ransomware by, by the look of it, but some sort of phishing attack. Yeah. And yeah, people are just getting hit left, right and centre and it, it seems as though we need to 
uh, up our game a little bit in New Zealand. That was certainly my, you know, my commentary on the the show on AM show was that I think our standards are still very low in New oh, Zealand. Absolutely, and yeah. you know, I. I would say it's probably better than average for listeners to the New Zealand Tech <laughs> Podcast, but yes. there are a lot of people out there that aren't keeping themselves up to date with what's happening on a technology front, oh, a cybersecurity yeah. front, and don't know what those best practices are to minimise yes. risk, right? So yes, we need absolutely. to keep, keep working at these things, yes. keep educating uh, staff so that they know yes. what, what's legit, what's not, yeah, and that it's okay if they make a mistake. Yeah. That they should just let somebody know straight away because exactly we've, right. we've heard of situations where somebody yes. clicks on something a bit dodgy and then they're a little <laughs> bit embarrassed. So instead yes. of telling anybody, they wait until it gets to be a much bigger <laughs> problem. So that's, yeah. that's certainly something good. Yeah, if you do have a bunch of uh, you know bunch of staff or you know yes. you're you're overseeing a large group of uh, people. To be yeah. making sure you yeah you give them that right sort of encouragement and support, teach them what they shouldn't do, but also yeah. if they do make a mistake, that you know they know they're not going to be uh, beaten up for it. Yes, that just if they can let you know straight away. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. Yeah, so yeah, not an ideal situation for the uh, the weather weather channel. Uh, they they put online a note saying we experienced issues with this morning's live broadcast following a malicious software attack on the network. We were unable to restore live programming quick. We were able to restore live programming quickly through backup mechanisms. Federal law enforcement is actively investigating the issue. We apologise for any inconvenience to viewers as we work to resolve the matter. So that went up on on Twitter. And, yeah, look, there is this element where an organisation doesn't get it right and then it's, hey, we, we're, we're going to law enforcement to try and help us. But I would say in the large majority of cases, <laughs> yes. they're not going to be able to do too much, certainly after the fact. It's uh, it's not, not particularly helpful. Yeah. But also, law enforcement is not set up in the right way to deal with with such sort of things. They are set up to deal with real-world physical issues, not um, digital issues. <laughs> well, there, there's <laughs> so only much. so much resources, yeah. right? So yeah, within exactly law enforcement, right. yes, they can get involved in these things, but when you look at the sheer number of yes. uh, online criminal activities, you you can't just drop that at the foot of uh, yeah. traditional law enforcement yes. exactly resources right. that are already stretched. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Now, another thing that I came across was that Google and Amazon seem to have hit a bit of a truce. So, if we we look back, well, just just uh, you know, very recently, but this is something that's been going on for maybe maybe a couple of years, where Google and Amazon have been uh, feuding somewhat. So, for instance, Google uh, pulled the YouTube app from Amazon's uh, Fire TV, their Echo uh, Show devices that they okay. uh, they launched in late uh, 2017. And you know, on the other side, uh, Amazon was not selling you know, certain uh, you know, products that you might expect from uh, Google uh, on their platform. So, yeah, there was a bit of uh, a bit of... 
uh, you know, fighting between the two. But yeah, it seems like uh, that's all all sorted out, and uh, they're going to be a, a official uh, YouTube apps coming to uh, coming through onto onto uh, Fire TV devices and 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 other mm-hmm. things. So those things, in theory, will uh, will work a, a bit better than they they have done in the past. Yeah. Uh, but it, look, this is part of the nature of the technology ecosystems that we have now yes. is they cross over each other and there's a lot of competition as well as sort of, you know, co-opetition and yes. so on, right? Uh, you know, if you're, if you look at Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Google, you know, a bunch of other yes. companies, they, they overlap. Uh, yeah. You know, you can get your Microsoft products on a on an Apple device. You can obviously get Microsoft products on a Google device. But you know, when Microsoft had their their Windows Phone, yes. Google wouldn't make any of their apps available on the Microsoft Phone. Yes, and that was one of the things that helped, uh, yeah, probably kill the Windows <laughs> Phone was that they they couldn't they couldn't get yes. actually. Uh, you know the official things from uh, from from Google that would have made made the platform work a bit better. Now that's probably a, a minor thing in the scale of why uh, Microsoft you know killed their phone platform off. But yeah, yeah, we we see all these all these overlaps, and uh, yeah, you know, Google and Microsoft have you know similar things where you know in some cases they're uh, they're yes. selling each other's products in one form or another yeah uh, in other cases they're they're very much competing and you know i guess very much the same uh, you know apple and, and google uh, too and yeah 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 so, that's right yeah and you know obviously lot, lots of competition uh, and cloud services there, you know, across oh, across these players, and yeah. uh, Amazon and Google definitely, uh, you know, uh, are battling that one out alongside yeah. uh, Microsoft, Azure, and, uh, and yeah, yeah, IBM, yeah. And, and and so on. Yeah, so um, it it is kind of interesting to watch some of these things, but when uh, consumers and customers get caught in the middle, it's yeah, it's not nice. So yeah, rather pleasing that they've managed to figure that one out. I think. Yep, that's true. What are the platforms that uh, that you use most within your your world? Um, AWS or um, yes, so we use AWS and also Google's um, Firebase and Google Cloud. Yep, so yeah, those two would be the predominant right. yeah. platforms. Yes, um, we haven't played much with Azure or <laughs> or any of the other ones, but yeah, yeah, and then we've got the uh, the Chinese brands as well, exactly you right. Know, Alibaba yeah. Cloud and uh, yeah, you know, Huawei have got something in there. So and Baidu has got something. Yeah, and, and Tencent's got. I mean, yeah, that's it's, yeah, it's just it's just you know is. getting to be uh, a, a, a market where there's lots lots of competition. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yes, yeah. And uh, you know, similar, I guess, you know, amongst the different vendors in terms of their uh, their devices, uh, I've been trying out over the last few days some um, some more surveillance uh, cams. Yeah. And I mean, we've got a whole lot of different offerings in in the market and a lot of yes. competition. Uh, and when you look at it, you know, Google Google own you know some yes. with Nest, uh, Amazon own own some with their offerings, and Ring, yes. which they now own. Uh, it's yeah, it's, it's I fascinating just to see how, how much competition in, there is. Um, today, um, 
at your doorbell, I saw that there was a camera. Um, what's that system? Uh, that's the ring. That's the ring doorbell. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah, that were, that that one really the ring product stood out to me uh, yes. quite early on, and since then, there's you know a whole whole range of doorbell yes you know video yes, um, home automation you things. know yes. video doorbells that are available yes. but they still seem to be holding a pretty you know key place in the market on on that okay. front yep. and then they've expanded into broader surveillance type products yep. and they've got a an alarm system which it sounds like they'll probably be launching in this market sometime yep. this year as well that'll kind of tie that puzzle together i think a lot of people still have a traditional old school alarm system yep. and then they've got other smart home products but they don't yeah. all tie together perfectly yeah. so i think that does make a fair fair degree of sense so we'll we'll see we'll see what yep. comes uh come comes through there now samsung yep. recently launched their uh, galaxy s10 uh, s10 plus lovely phones They've launched another variation on the S10. <laughs> the folding. The fold. Yes. And it certainly bears some similarities with the S10, but also it's a whole new category. Yes. And, well, we thought they were launching, and they made a you know a big thing last week with a, a very select group of media in the US that got their hands on the devices. And within a day or two of that happening, we went from the yes. initial seeing these slick videos of how the software yes. was and they looked awesome to hearing about Galaxy Fold devices that were stuffed. They were yes. just ruined. And so when I looked through the coverage, the first lot of that seemed to be reviewers who peeled, the peeled back what looked, looked to be like a, a screen protector. Yes but actually an integral part of the screen. So you're pretty poor on Samsung's front there and not yes. you know, communicating and making it very clear yep. that, no, you don't pull that screen yep. protector off as it's a key part of the display. So we had phones being ruined like that, and then there was at least uh, one or two yep. situations where these Galaxy Fold handsets basically yes. died so yeah not a not a good uh, not a good situation and i think up until around saturday uh, new zealand time samsung were you know had had made a statement saying look they're still going ahead with the launch this month and it's limited i believe to the u.s yes. at this stage uh but then this morning we got an, an alert that actually samsung are pulling the pulling the plug and they will re-announce the launch date, uh, and they're, they're not giving a, you know too much detail away on timing. But yeah. they in two weeks they'll make a, a further announcement. So somewhat embarrassing for Samsung to have to do that, but much better if there is a fault that they yes can it address it before it gets out to the broader market. And if there isn't, well, at least they've taken that time out to be absolutely sure. Yes, maybe the. You know, the ones that weren't people pulling the front off the screen were maybe there was a one in a million or something there, or maybe they were just pre-production handsets that weren't ready and they yeah. shouldn't have been, you know, giving these ones out to to reviewers. I'm 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 not I've, sure. I've heard like few different versions of the story. Yeah, and, okay. and so one version where I read about is that Samsung realized that people were peeling this screen protector, yes. which is part of the integral part of part of this plastic screen that they had to make so that it folds. Um, 
however, yeah, so they wrote to all of them individually, wrote to all the influencers. They, they handed these phones out like um, MK, was it MK VHD or, um, or Dave Doody and, and all these YouTubers. Yeah, so they, yeah, they had a these. bunch of YouTubers yes. as well as tech reviewers. As well as tech reviewers. Leaned a bit yes. more in the, in the direction of YouTubers. With so, this one. so all the YouTubers, first thing they do is they do the unboxing video and they open the box and and peel out any of these sort of films or film projectors and and things like that that's part of the unboxing <laughs> it is and, actually and uh, with the galaxy s10 yes. plus which i got through uh, you know i had an early one and yes. then i got a, a final one just in the last week or so it's got all these little bits of you know, plastic, and I was thinking, oh, that's a bit of a rough edge. And then I realised yes. it was just, you know, there's a bit of plastic that's around yes. the edges that they'd left, uh, they'd left on the product for you to remove, but yes. they don't tell you to remove it either. So yes. I can understand why people would get mixed up with this so stuff. So they all thought that this is really hard to remove, and they kept <laughs> on trying and putting their nail underneath and trying to peel it, and then they realised. Um, later on, that okay, this breaks your phone, <laughs> and then so Samsung wrote to them that sorry, we didn't advertise but there were still some people who the phones were breaking for and and the other story is that um, when Samsung did the testing and saying that it can do 100,000 times or a million times it's done in a machine in a controlled environment that machine just flips close That's and open right. yeah, close I've and seen open. those types of machines not, the, yes. not this particular one uh, they have them in their yeah, R&D and, and testing locations and yeah, they repeat a very similar Process, you know, function yes. a, a lot of times over, and they have different machines that will drop a phone from a yes. particular height and uh, yeah, a whole bunch of things. Obviously, with this one, part of it is making sure it opens and closes, closes. okay, but you can't so probably emulate maybe what, a, what a human might, a might do wrong jeans with that. Pocket. It's yeah. not emulating going <laughs> in a tight jeans pocket and then someone sitting down. And, and you know, so all these sort of other scenarios that it didn't... Um, and so some influencers or YouTubers or tech reviewers were not happy that... They felt like they were being used to beta test Samsung's phones. <laughs> <laughs> so this was all a part of their beta testing and not a part of uh, not official a official launch. <laughs> yeah, not, a, so not they, a good call. <laughs> so so that, that's the other side of the story that I, yeah, I yeah. came across. Well, they're, they're launching around $2,000, US which you know, if you just apply the exchange rate in GST, you're up. Uh, yes, past three and a half thousand, yes. or around yeah. that three and a half yeah. thousand dollar figure. So, not a low cost device. I don't think it's going to sell in, in huge numbers. Obviously, this doesn't doesn't help uh, Samsung. Yes. We don't know where Huawei are at with launching uh, their Mate X, and you know, um, yeah. you know, there there are obviously some others in the market uh, too. So, we'll we'll wait and see. I think uh, Oppo. Uh, have a have a play in this uh, space, and there was the Flex Pi, which I tried out during CES, which was yes. you know the, the earliest of these products, but yes. uh, you know certainly not not so mature. So yes. there's a little little bit of wait and see on this stuff, I think. Yeah, I I feel like these are just like the concept cars. If you go to car shows and they <laughs> have a one halo concept car that they spend ten million making, yeah, but they have no. Um, desire to bring it out to production. This is just for 
um, PR stunts and press releases and things like that and to show people that they are a progressive company and they are thinking forward and they are innovative just to build that brand so yeah. it's all part of a branding exercise maybe they never intend to bring it out for next two years <laughs> yeah I mean my pick on it I've talked about it on uh, News Talk ZB this morning was that I think this is meant to be a sort of a halo device yes. one that attracts attention and not directly itself being a product that would be profitable, probably yeah. really expensive to develop. And exactly so right. in that, they've got, they've got a yeah. little bit mixed up, a little bit carried away with the need to get it out to market very quickly to get yeah. the attention. Yes, we've got it and it's great. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't work very well when you make this sort of, uh, this sort of mistake. So uh, let's, let's wait and see. Maybe in a couple of yeah. weeks they'll, they'll we'll say, yes, what look, these were pre-release devices and they weren't as well built as the final ones and we're going yeah. ahead with the launch. I'm not sure if that'll be the case, but we'll, we'll find out the reality probably <laughs> yeah. in a couple of weeks. Now, the other news story, and it just uh, came up this morning, and I haven't got all of the detail yet because uh, I've had a bit of work to do today, uh, but um, there was an event from Tesla looking at their yes. autopilot capabilities. Now, I probably caught uh, half an hour or so of the, uh, the live stream, and pretty yes. fascinating as they drilled into their uh, the, the the chips. I guess their uh, they're not calling it a, a CPU, but basically their uh, their they, AI. AI um, yes, they have pro- a processor, given it a name. Your NPU, <laughs> like a, I think. You know, I've heard these sort of terminologies. I can't yes. e- exactly remember what uh, uh, what Tesla are calling it. Uh, but it was really fascinating. And if you if you're if you're very curious about autonomous vehicles yes. then you might find this one fascinating to watch or if you're somebody who's who's got a pre-order in on a uh, Tesla Model 3 or you know anything like that then yeah you'll probably find it quite uh, quite fascinating and they, they drill into the a lot about the chip uh, the fact that they have uh, basically dual uh, dual processors and yes. the way that it's uh, it's designed to operate is that the artificial intelligence in one chip needs its output needs to match yes. the mm-hmm. other chip so there's a level of it's as though it's redundancy but actually yes. um, the process will confirm that both chips have spat out the same result. So they're both yes. saying, hey, this vehicle needs to brake, turn right, turn left, yes. whatever it is uh, that it's directing the vehicle to do. So that then it, yes. there's a very high level of confidence about what it does. Yeah. Uh, and there, yeah, huge amount of huge amount of detail there. Uh, I, you know, I don't, don't recall a broadcast quite like this from Tesla before, and I found yes. it quite fascinating. I'm looking forward to catching uh, catching the, oh, I have the, lots the of rest thoughts of on this. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, the, the, now, did you did you catch the the headline? And I and I heard um, heard Elon say, saying this yes. as he's he's talking about you. Basically, you'll be able to dial up how aggressive the autopilot uh, driving is. So, the more aggressive you wind it up, the more yes. chance there is of. You know what Elon referred to as a fender bender, uh, yes. but basically the more chance there is of there being some sort of accident, yes, or you can dial it back to you know much more con- conservative, mm. which is 
kind of fascinating that he was referring to the the need to be actually to be quite aggressive when driving in uh, in in LA and uh, yeah the the traffic there can be pretty crazy i got to say and yeah. it's not a place i particularly look forward to driving especially when it's when the roads are really busy or crazy yes. and i i was there during a time when they had a major uh, road had to be cut off. They were taking down a bridge that was over uh, one of the freeways, and so they closed off a whole lot of road. And uh, that particular period, they called it Carmageddon. And I, I, <laughs> I, and I think Carmageddon is probably relevant for LA traffic any anyway, time at rush hour. So this I, time it was, was super crazy. Like the the funniest thing I saw was the like a taco truck. This is on the motorway selling tacos. Oh, really? <laughs> because the traffic jam is so <laughs> bad, so it's just opening up and selling. Started fast, selling fast tacos. Food in the, <laughs> just in the park of the on freeway. the side, and everyone's yeah. out of their car having tacos. And <laughs> so that's part of that. Yeah. Well, that's the American way, isn't it? Just yeah. uh, you know, make, making money at every uh, every opportunity. Huh? Why you know? Why yeah. not? And yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's funny. Better than going to a <laughs> to a night market. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> yeah, oh, um, it's got. It's kind yeah. of fun. Well, they no, do have is, a lot of food is, trucks there. What I find really interesting is that Tesla is entering a whole new category. It is um, the company that kind of leads the charge in AI chips is NVIDIA. And if you, like, pretty much, as there is more, um, what do you call, like, um, <clears throat> if there's more AI in news, NVIDIA shares will go up pretty much because everyone sure. wants to use those chips, their yeah, GPUs, yeah. because they have really good processing power. And so that's the one company that should really watch out <laughs> um, because no car maker is going into making chips. And this is like the first one. It's not an easy task. Yeah, it's it's pretty fascinating approach. And, you know, I can imagine that if this works well, that Tesla might well be selling a bit more of their their IP through, through other yes. other channels, right? Oh, absolutely! Would, They'd be would, selling these ten, chips ten, to ten, two, ten, two billion other cars. Ten, tend to make uh, some yep. sense. So we'll see. These things are moving a lot slower, and of course, we've had promises from Tesla about how fast these things will will happen. That uh, oh have, yes, have turned that's out to his be, uh, his timeline is very optimistic. Yeah, and to be not false, realistic. right? So, <laughs> and that was the thing that first got me yes. interested in the idea of. Yeah, ordering a Model Three was well. I'm told yeah. this is going to be an autonomous vehicle within a very yes. short space of time. But you know, here we are Ooh. from some of those statements. Uh, I, I you think know, just level, like less than three, yeah. three, uh, yeah, clo- close to three years ago, maybe yeah. you know, two and a half to three years ago, where there was a, a real expectation uh, around what their vehicles would be able to deliver, and yes. they're still not delivering that. And there's a lot of debate out there around how quickly these things will will happen. So I'm learning not not to trust uh, tweets Everything. from Elon Musk as, <laughs> as as much as maybe I once did. You can't quite there, take there is always a at lot of hype. Yeah. There's a lot of hype, yeah. but yeah, I think that level four autonomy or level five autonomy is still about 15 years away. Um, and the interesting thing about this latest news from Tesla was. Um, or from that they were completely rubbishing lidars, or, or um, well, they've very much taken that approach that a lidar isn't isn't needed, and that a camera yes, can do everything you everything, need yeah. for autonomous driving. It's certainly in terms of keeping the cost down, which has been a you know a, a big part 
of Tesla's approach using cameras instead of lidars. Yeah, you yeah you could see how this sort of lines up. They they do want to be rubbishing the alternative approaches that are more expensive and encouraging people to yeah. look at their technology, their vehicles rather than uh, rather they than won't. rather than anything else. I've started to wonder because it just seems like the rest of the industry, everybody is using LIDARs and nobody else seems to be going to this camera-only approach. But so far, Teslas are mostly getting it right. But hey, we've got uh, <laughs> we've, we've had we've had deaths now with autonomous yes. vehicles, right? So yeah, there's going to have to be a level of of weighing it up, and yeah. ultimately that falls on a on a consumer to make the decision. Yeah. Now, if one vehicle is ten thousand dollars more than another vehicle, if another if you know mm-hmm. one is fifty thousand difference, or it's a thousand dollar difference, depending yes. on where those figures so, line up. Yeah. That's going to have an impact, and what's available in the market. We we don't have much that's that great on this autonomous, you know, driving yeah. journey in New Zealand at the moment. No. Tesla and Mercedes, and a, you know, a few others a few are others. probably in a somewhat similar place with what yeah. they're able to do with their. Um, you know, driver assist type capabilities. But most are still in category one or category two. They're still there's a lot, <laughs> at a least lot, a decade a lot away. Of limi- I feel limitations like. in certain locations and certain circumstances. Yes. I think providing the 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 full autonomy if you're within a very yes. strict location that's prepared for it and yes, the road exactly markings right. are correct. If you line everything up then, perfectly, yes, then it yes. can be they can you know yeah. they can do it. But there are generally uses that we expect to have of our vehicles of being able to just drive them <laughs> anywhere. And yeah, you, you you will increase your expectations on your vehicle pretty yeah. quickly once you've seen it operating without hands on the on the oh, wheel, yes. right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um the only place in is Arizona where Waymo um Waymo has live trials. Even right now, you can get a Waymo ride share like Uber, and which is run by Google. Or they seem to have limited that, though. I mean, they didn't. They did announce that that was going to just be a, a full public service. Yes, but I, I think it's ended up still being reasonably limited, right? In terms of how many people were able to jump on board with that. It's not just general public. It's not go anywhere. When I was at CES in Vegas yes. this year. You had something uh, something similar, and it was uh, Lyft were doing yes. it, and it suddenly dawned on me that Lyft decides which vehicle to send you once they know where you're going from and where you're going to. Yes. Yeah, they've got a fair bit of information, yes. and so they would be picking off the the easiest routes that they know are a fit for their autonomous vehicle, yes. not. Not in just giving fact, it for every single situation because there yeah. are some scenarios with those vehicles, especially in Vegas during CES, which is the you know biggest yes. craziest event exactly of the year. Right. And you've got you know, police standing on the road, sort of manually directing traffic. Yeah. You've got all sorts of unusual situations, and I think they're tending to put two people 
in the in driving yes, those cars. Are. So you know, there's there's two to to sort of well, not driving it, but to but to monitor, monitor it. it. So you've actually got yes. more people in the vehicle than a than <laughs> a, than a normal stage. one, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, look, yeah, I wouldn't expect it's going to be another ten or fifteen years before exactly they right. can lighten that up in in those sort of locations, but. There, there will probably be that mixed fleet yes. until they get to a point where, you know, from yeah. every destin, you know, every, um, you know, starting point to destination point, that they can be confident yes. that the AI can, uh, yeah. can do it right. And from someone in um, when last year when I was based in San Francisco and I was like talking with people, someone who worked in the industry who yes. was saying that in fact all the roads that Waymo is going in have been manually been gone and mapped. So Google has sent people with cameras on their backpacks manually. Each and every road has been mapped right. and they keep regularly doing it. So if there's suddenly any new... Um, I don't know, blockade or something or some new change, it knows. So it, it's just driving on a preset database. So it is. that's why Google hasn't extended it from that one particular town in Arizona to other places because it's just too expensive to do it at this stage. And there are lots of, lots of you know, edge scenarios that have got yes. to be addressed. As I was driving into the office this morning, I was driving up towards uh, two traffic cones that were between my lane and the next lane. I thought this is a, it's a little bit odd why you would just have traffic, you know, two traffic cones. It, it actually didn't seem to make sense. It was the sort of thing that if I was a crazier, younger driver, and you know, I've never actually done this, but you know, the sort of thing where somebody might be tempted to sort of, oh, I'm going to knock those cones over, or <laughs> you know, so, something like that. And I've you know heard of people doing this, or heard of one chap that uh, put his arm out the side of his car to knock over a cone, but at the yes. speed he was going, I think he broke his arm because uh, they're, mm-hmm. reason, they're reasonably solid when you're yes. driving driving at speed. Uh, anyway, as I anyway. as I came up close to these cones, I recognised that they were protecting that there was a manhole cover that was oh. missing. So if you'd actually, you know, if the if someone had played a joke and moved the cones away, yes. then you could have found your wheel. I mean, that would be a horrible accident, getting a wheel yeah. caught in a, in a manhole. manhole. Uh, yeah. So uh, there's all sorts of scenarios. And, you know, I guess as time yeah. goes on, they will address more and more of those. But you probably can't cover every single scenario yes. uh, just in the same way that, yeah, somebody that didn't that wasn't wasn't thinking straight could have uh, yeah. could have driven into that hole. Yeah, yep. Totally. So yeah, we've we've got some fun fun times ahead. Oh, but I totally. do like uh, one of the one of the approaches from uh, Tesla and, and Elon, which is to not look for that sort of nirvana where everything is perfect because you're in an autonomous car, but yes. more measuring against how you know, we as people drive. Yes. And so he was talking around uh, the autopilot computer, and it, you know it has redundant power supply as well as the you know the dual chips and and so on. And he said that it is going to fail less than a person than, than passing a, than out. A, than a person passing out. That's right. Yes, yeah. Yes. And I thought, oh, that's, you because know, that, anyone that's a, can that's a have a stroke or a heart attack or, or anything or Fall just even low sugar wheel. if you're diabetic or, yeah. or someone like yeah. even, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, of course we want that. We want that perfection. But. I also don't don't want to wait until we get to a computer that's you know um, 
10 nines in terms of, you know, perfection. Yes. 9.9999. Yes. Oh, no. Sort of thing, right? It gets progressively harder. Once it gets, you know, beyond what we, we as people can, you know, deliver from a safe and reliable driving perspective, yes. then. Yeah, that's that's when but it starts to make sense. But the problem is that people are more forgiving of people. People are less forgiving of tech. <laughs> but you've got to remember that the tech comes from people. So in both yes. cases, it's people, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah. the AI is. It's still programmed has, by has come come people, from yes. uh, you know people have directed all yes. of these things. People get frustrated with the technology, but. It's not just the tech. It's yep. it really come comes back to the people uh, behind it, right? Yep. Okay. Now on to uh, a little bit of uh, local news. Vodafone have said they're discontinuing uh, email uh, forwarding, and this is this is a little bit of a surprise because when they ditched their Vodafone email and they've had iHug and varying other brands that they've sort of acquired. Over the years, when they ditched that uh, POP uh, or IMAP uh, email uh, hosting service, they said you know that they would keep an email forwarding service running, you know, somewhat indefinitely. And we're going back to what late 2017, I think. They have uh, apparently around 150,000 email addresses yes. set up with auto forwarding. Now, I know in my family. My parents had, uh, I think they had Paradise email addresses. They had joined Paradise. Yes. Then Paradise got acquired by somebody and, you know, eventually uh, it became Vodafone at some yeah. some point in time. And so, you know, my father has a bunch of people that would still contact him through that Paradise email address and yes. that forwards on to his, uh, you know, his current, yeah. current you know, non-ISP uh, email and yeah, that's going to be uh, that's going to be uh, dropping off. So um, yeah, worth worth being aware of. Uh, I think twenty uh, first of uh, um, August is when okay. that uh, when that drops off. So yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be a big deal for most people if you've moved off and you're on something else. Uh, yeah, look, most yeah. most most people hopefully have picked up your new address by then, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure a few people will be a little bit frustrated, but you, you look at it from a perspective of, of Vodafone, who are really trying to get their uh, their house in order from an, a, a you know a business perspective and be a, a profitable business. Yes, uh, they maybe need to make some changes. Whether this is was really the right thing to do, uh, that that's their call, I suppose, and and they've chosen to sort of you know abandon some customers in in yep. those regards. Uh, it will put out onto the, I guess the, I'll call it the open market, uh, these hundred and fifty thousand customers because a lot of people will keep with a particular internet service provider yeah. because they want those emails to still get to them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they're, they're potentially going to lose a bunch of customers once, yeah, I would once think people so. have no longer got any reason uh, yes. to be with them. And this would have been a, a holding reason. And I guess it's the same reason why uh, Spark kept on to an email, email yes. uh, service with, uh, with Extra. And, yes. yeah, they've changed the out, outsourcing of it, uh, yes. you, you know, um, locally. But, yeah, they obviously thought there was some value in doing that. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how much uh, this one will, will harm uh, Vodafone, but 
hey, they've, they've made, they their, they've made their announcement. Savings. Let's, they let's, might let's have done some goes. analysis on, yeah. okay, this is what it's costing us. and let's Sure. I wouldn't have thought yeah. it should cost too much, but maybe they've got a bunch of people that, that run that. They haven't found yeah. anywhere to outsource it to. It's also possible that before they get to uh, 21st of August that they um, will come up with a solution yeah, and they'll solve it true. and they'll they'll you know pass that on to some somebody else yeah. uh, to do once maybe they crunch a few more numbers you know and I guess it depends a little bit on yeah. if there's much of a much of an uproar or or not so yeah. we will wait and see but if you're not happy about this I would be uh, tweeting and sending Facebook messages and what have you to uh, <laughs> uh, to Vodafone to let them know my yeah. personal recommendation has been for a long time is stay well clear of uh, internet provider uh, email exactly uh, you know, 100% it's, <laughs> it's somewhat similar to the sort of free email you get from you know web hosting companies they throw in a bunch of bunch yes. of mailboxes yeah you really want to be with a professional provider that Gives you, you know, good uh, email, cloud hosted email, ideally these days. Mm. I guess, you know, some people still run their own exchange servers and in house uh, mail servers, but, you know, a professional service that does all your uh, calendar sharing and contacts yeah. and all those those other sorts of things that uh, that we sort of take, take for granted. If you're using a, a free service or a very cheap service, it'll probably bite you at some point in yes. time, I would, what I do would you suggest. What do you personally use? Uh, so Office 365 is, yeah. is it's, you know, the, I guess the bulk of what we tend to use uh, within Gorilla. Yes. But look, yeah, you've got to choose what's a, what's a, right, yes. a right fit for you. Um, you know, I keep a personal email, a uh, business email that, that run through that. But I yes. keep, you know, Gmail and um, Outlook.com yeah. and, and, and so on. So, uh, yeah, a few, few. And look, there are a range of, range of services uh, yes. out there. And if you don't want to use a Google or a Microsoft, there's Zoho, uh, Amazon yes. even have uh, their, their offering as well. So yep. there's plenty of choices. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so the other things uh, relevant locally as well uh, is a little bit of a, a uh, an announcement last week that I thought was, was kind of cool actually. And this is a tie-up between um, – K1W1, uh, which is a Sir Stephen Tyndall's uh, investment um, arm, and Simplicity, who obviously yes. key, or who KiwiSaver uh, fund for those that, that don't know, uh, and uh, the Ice House and the uh, their uh, Ice Angels mm-hmm. sort of side uh, there, and uh, this creates a, an opportunity for individuals rather than putting their money into the usual sort of uh, buckets that we see for, yes. for KiwiSaver where a lot of that money goes offshore or it goes into the New Zealand Stock Exchange. It's, you know, there's, yeah. I guess, you know, a, a bunch of, of traditional uh, places where, where this money ends up. Uh, it actually can go to fund um, startups here in New Zealand, which yeah. you know, I think is pretty exciting because we, we do have a bit of a, 
uh, a challenge with access to uh, funds Fun, for, yes, for for startups. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I mean, you you probably know more about this stuff than than I do because you really live in this uh, the startup world. Um, you know, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, on this announcement? Oh, I think it's excellent. Um, I was reading an article or somewhere a post by Sam Stubbs from Sim- Simplicity. Sam yeah, from yeah, Simplicity, Sam Stubbs, yes, yeah. um, and he was saying that. Now New Zealand has got a choice whether it wants to become like Norway and reinvest that money in the country or this money goes out to build someone else's roads somewhere else, you know. So I think it's it's fantastic that um, that a lot of these high-growth startups or, or high-growth businesses would have access to this capital. Um, so, yeah, that they can take the company to next stage because, as you know, if anyone who has run a small business – um, about 80 to 85 percent of the small businesses will die because of cash flow issues. Um, and, and that's just the, the reality. And if we can take the biggest sort of stumbling block away uh, from New Zealand's tech startup ecosystem, um, then we have a much higher chance to even address the other issues um, because so many of them are just perishing before they even get to the next stage issues of next stage of growth and scaling they're not even making to those stages so yeah that, that's what yeah yeah i'm excited about it and look you know, even you look at in silicon valley you know, even there with all the venture capital firms and so so yes. on um, it's really hard to it's really hard to get funding, and so you know, we yes. want to make sure we've got that right balance. We don't want to be just throwing cash at you know every entrepreneur's idea. Oh, absolutely! Uh, you know, not. it still comes down to you know, founders and uh, you know leaders of these startups who yes. are going to execute well and are really going to you know get out and uh, yeah. and, make, and make things happen. And of course, you know, we've got some great uh, great New Zealand success stories in those regards, but. Yep, we want to see more and more, and we want to see these things keep coming. So, uh, look, it you know, seems very, uh, you know, very, very good to me that we can fill in some of those gaps and, uh, yeah. and you know, hopefully make it easier. But you don't want to make it, you know, too easy to get uh, funding either. Otherwise, they become those, you know, those those expectations. And I guess this is what we see in Silicon Valley, where. Yeah, venture capital firms are, are wanting to back something that's going to give them a you know a thousand times uh, return, return yes. uh, because they're you know they're funding you know so so many uh, yes. startups that are that they expect to be failures. Yeah. Uh, so you know they're they're really looking for those ones that are going to have crazy high returns, and yeah, we we don't always we don't always yes. need that in every case, do we? No, absolutely not. But I I feel like even there, even just last year since I was based there, I could see that. Um, investors are getting getting smarter and and for any entrepreneur if you do want to go to an investor show some traction you know show yes. some real users show that you are really solving a problem that people care about <laughs> and and the problem you are solving needs to be solved over and over again it's not that someone's bought your widget once and that's it they'll never need you again so build something that will give you a sustainable revenue because um investors are also smart, astute people who want to see that, yes, you have seen that there is a real need for the product, you've identified a problem, and that you're solving it in a sustainable way. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's that's good advice. Now, um, one last local story before we we get on to you know, chatting about uh, your book, the thirty day uh, startup, uh, was Two Degrees have launched a new uh, unlimited mobile uh, plan. Now, this is interesting because, as we know, we don't tend to really get completely unlimited plans in New Zealand, certainly yes. from a, a, a mobile perspective. I mean, it, it varies from network to network, I would say. So, for instance, if you look at what uh, Spark offer in terms of their unlimited um, data on a mobile plan, they have a sort of a soft cap. I think it's around 22 gigs last time I looked. And after that, they'll slow you down a little mm-hmm. bit. Now, I'm pretty sure from what I encountered is when you go past that 22 gig mark, the performance is actually still pretty good. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vodafone have a similar sort of soft uh, cap. Now, what Two Degrees uh, are doing is they're offering a plan that if you buy it as an individual, you will pay $85 a month. Yep. And but you can add you? more people to this plan so it can come down as low uh, as about – uh, forty, I think it's maybe forty-seven uh, dollars uh, a month. So uh, maybe it's even forty dollars a month. And mm-hmm. so what? What this ultimately uh, gives you is their soft cap is at uh, forty gigs, which is a, yep. you know a, a fair fair chunk. Uh, of course, that sort of lessens when you're splitting that up against uh, say uh, three three people. Yes. But with that, uh, with that sharing plan, uh, the the only sort of downside I could see of this is that once you use up that forty gigs, they drop you down to about one megabit per second, which is I think that is probably getting a little bit over overzealous <laughs> in terms of you know yes. hol- holding people back, yes. and you know my. You know, impression of the other unlimited plans is they're uh, they're they're a whole lot faster. So I, I do wonder whether unlimited is is really the right uh, the right term yeah. for this. But certainly the uh, you know that price point step of, in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, so you get that. Um, yeah, that eighty five dollars a month, and then you know you pay your uh, you pay your add on uh, of twenty five dollars to add a second person, uh, you add a third person, and yeah, uh, yeah if you, I think if you add uh, three people, then you're getting uh, down uh, around that uh, that forty dollar a month uh, mark. So yeah, we're still seeing a, a bit of competition in this uh, this mobile space. I think. Uh, skinny uh, sparks, um, sort of you know, yes, off to the side uh, budget brand. budget brand has yes. put quite a bit of pressure on on two degrees, and I imagine that they will have some other uh, offering themselves yes. in the not uh, in the not too distant future. It's certainly a lot harder for two degrees now uh, than what it was you know when yes. they came into the market, but they've also got a fair fair degree of traction. Uh, I, th- I think, though, that they do probably struggle 
they're just you know not perceived as having yeah. you know as good a reach as the other networks. So most organisations yes. probably going to lean still to Spark or Vodafone so that they get uh, yeah. you know a, a, a better level of coverage and uh, and Service performance and everything. Yeah. So I mean we'll see we'll see where that where that goes. Wonder but, how uh, this compares to overseas plans. Um, yeah, look, I, you know, I think when you look at varying markets, yes. you know, at times we're doing well, in other areas we're, we're not. You can certainly buy yes. uh, some plans in Australia with, you know, reasonably big chunks of data for, you know, really? 30 or $40 uh, yeah. dollars a month there. In the US, you've got unlimited uh, type of plans, uh, typically, you know, say 50 US. Yeah. Plus, plus tax, so coming out similar prices to New Zealand, That's but pretty good. But yeah. those again have got a sort of a soft cap uh, around that yes. twenty, I think twenty two gig mark as well, uh, or or similar in the US yeah. market. Uh, Canada not hasn't traditionally been so uh, competitive, uh, which is why for Kiwis that are that are that are travelling. Uh, it's nice to be able to go there with a you know some sort of roaming uh, package, yeah. Because if you're trying to buy a local sim, it's uh, it's not not necessarily an easy way to go. Um, so yeah, and there's been some good offerings in the UK market as, as well. Yeah, but of course we have a smaller smaller population, population so we don't have economies quite sp- of scale. Quite spread out, so um, to, just yeah. to give you a, a rough comparison of what it is in India, it is um, about. Two dollars and sixty cents for unlimited a month, unlimited calls, unlimited data, unlimited everything. Soft cap of forty two gig. Yeah. Um. And so I had like a friend visiting. What sort of what are the what do you think the average speeds are in India? I get the feeling that their uh, their net it, their network I think isn't it as depends fast on as the, ours. Yeah, it depends on the network. Mm, uh, this is for four mm, G. Um, yep. Not not five G or anything. It's still yep. not like. South Korea, you know, yep. um, and a f- I had a friend visiting here, and he had like an Indian phone, and I was like, "Oh no, you're on on um, you're on roaming. Let me call your hotel, and they might transfer." He said, "No, that's fine. It's unlimited." He had he had paid something like eight or ten New Zealand dollars, and for a month he gets unlimited data roaming, unlimited calls roaming, un- <laughs> globally. Wow! <laughs> so wow. I thought that maybe I should go there, get a call, SIM card from there, and just pay the bill there and <laughs> use the roaming, yeah, yeah. or something like that. <laughs> but no, this is just. Um, yeah, they might have some bigger, con- I mean, constraints if you go over. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, certainly you can, you know, you can take your uh, New Zealand plans, uh, you know, with you and pay what uh, five dollars a day if you're on, um, you know, Vodafone. Yes, and there are actually much better offerings from uh, Two Degrees. And I think from Spark than what we used to have oh, as well. So much so better. Some, you know, I have much better bundles than what what we was what we were seeing in the past. Yeah. So I just um, I just had a look at the the plans that are showing online uh, currently, and I'm seeing uh, just having a look here. Yeah, seeing plans in India. Uh, so one of the networks, Airtel. And they've got a plan. You should look at Geo. Geo. Uh, most of these ones look as though they're quite limited in terms of the amounts of um, of data. But this one was um, like about fifteen 
New Zealand um, dollars. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, yeah, these are the ones. Oh, 1.5 gig a day. Yep, postpaid. So I guess there's a there's a fair bit of uh, fair yeah. bit of competition. Lots in, of competition in, now. in the Indian in the Indian market. I, I do remember a time when you couldn't couldn't even roam when you went to India. That, that's exactly going back right. quite, oh, a, those, quite a long time. Those were the days. In <laughs> fact, you had to even pay for incoming calls in India. Like like if right, you have an Indian right. sim, still you had yeah. to pay for. Yeah. And it's just gone a complete 180 degree, and now it's the world's cheapest data market. Um, globally it's just economies of scale and things move fast so yeah but it's only going to get cheaper Uh, like next year you'll be here talking about how you're buying unlimited data for mobile 4g it's so cheap you're getting getting paid to use your mobile (laughs) yes but 5g you have to pay through your nose kind of thing in in a two years five years time or something yeah so now all good now, um, tell us about this book that we're going to give away, The 30-Day Startup. Why did, uh, why did you write it? Now, you've co-authored this with yes, um, William Schmidt. Yes, that's uh, right. Who you, you work with as well. So yes. um, maybe a, a little intro to your business. Yes. Um, so, yeah, Will and I, Will used to run a, like an agency which did Everything from digital marketing to website development and as well as software development. And he's been running it for over 10 years now. Um, It's called Orchid. Um, And previously, when I used to own a business, um, I had used his agency to develop quite a few of our websites and stuff. And then I had an exit from that. And then I worked with various different startups here and overseas and then um, I'd always kept in contact with Will and said that, um, hey, let's get together and start this um, <laughs> start this business where we develop software for other entrepreneurs. Um, right. So this is what you what product done? Yes, that's right. Yep. So that's when we started product done about eight nine months ago or or something like that. And what's what's your goal? It seems like you develop. Uh, a sort of minimum viable product type, um, you know, results yes, for people. Right. Uh, you know, a, a, a fast develop uh, yes. app, and you know, well, as its name suggests, yes. very quickly. That's right. So yes, Will at that time with his company, and he has about about twelve or twelve to fifteen staff, and um, they were building software like mobile apps and things, but they are like. Um, typically really large projects which would take anywhere from nine months to two years and and developing software for corporates and things like that. But um, this is where we thought that there is a gap in the market and also that this is something that we were passionate about is quick projects because um, um, I think for any entrepreneur it's good to start seeing the result before they invest more time and and money. So sure. we thought let's do this. Let's start a company um, called Product Done, and where we will build uh, um, build MVPs for entrepreneurs or non tech founders. Um, so for those that are listening in and are not familiar with M- MVP, and I know you know most who are involved in the uh, software as a service business will and and tech startups yes. will you know understand entirely, but. For any other listeners that aren't aren't so sure, it is a minimum viable product. So um, the idea would be um, you want to go from um, point A to point B. You make a, you get 
two wheels and connect them and have a place to sit and make some some of a form of a balanced bike and that's kind of your minimum viable product which helps you roll down the road faster um than walking and then you adapt from it you make um a motorbike then you make a car you make so um instead of um and that could happen over years and so instead of um starting off with having this um grand dream of making um making a car from day one so that's the idea but this think of this in the terms of software that you want to solve just one main problem of your um customer and you just work around that problem and you solve it um in as fast as you can as in um make a solution or make the software um really fast so say something like within a month or within two months or something like that get it tested see if people even use it um people like see it see whether there's any traction in yes. the market and so on yes. and I, you know i guess when when you look at a lot of uh, a lot of big software you know today that that's well known the likes of dropbox yes. uh, you know i imagine there was a degree to which zero uh, would have taken this 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 approach certainly if you look at what their uh, you know initial uh, offering was was you know fairly basic compared to uh, everything that they offer today yes. and it's that idea of being able to get something out the door you know quite quite quickly it doesn't necessarily have all the polish and and perfection yes. that you hope to get uh, longer term but you get that feedback very quickly you get to work out uh, whether whether there's actually a market for your uh, your software very quickly. Absolutely, it's um, the other thing we have seen is that um, we have been um, interacting, talking with various um, founders, various entrepreneurs, and various startups, and and often we have seen that um, they have spent so much of their time, energy, and money um, building something that no one wants. um or that's not solving a real need um and and one of the reason why this happens is that um entrepreneurs by their nature themselves are very very um passionate and they get very excited about a new idea um and the other thing is that all of our friends and family um in most cases are very supportive and very nice and they are only going to say nice things about it um So so the idea behind building a minimum viable product is that you get it in hands of your customer or you solve your customer's problem and you ask them to um to pay or even if not paying you see if it's really solving their problem if they are really using it every single day as they said they would that oh yeah I love this I'll use it every day then this way you get to test it um The another example I would like to give off is um, DoorDash which was which is like Uber Eats it started in San Francisco so these guys studying in Stanford um they thought of this idea that of food delivery this is and and DoorDash do a bit ago. more than food delivery don't they but if they, these days but yes yeah, yeah. but when it started um they thought of like oh yeah there'd be all these people who would want food delivered to yes. them because they're lazy to go out and and take away yes you can get pizza which did deliveries for decades and decades but what if you want butter chicken or what if you want um you know some chinese food which doesn't do deliveries near yeah. your house so he said why don't we just so they just build a web page 
um, and and they'd say that yeah, you order. So they give all these options. You have um, Mexican, you have tacos, you have this, you have X Y Z, you have this sort of all, all the list of things um, on there, and then you just order. And as soon as the order would come. It would go as a phone call to the to the students <laughs> who who made this DoorDash. So yep. so it didn't even have a working software. It didn't have anything. They would personally take the call and they say, "Hey, what do you want?" And whatever that person will order, they would make a takeaway order in the nearest place to them. And they opened it. They built it just for Palo Alto. They yep. built it just for a suburb, not Very even focused, for whole yeah. Bay Area or San Francisco That's or anything right. like that. So they just built it for say it's like. Um, delivers deliveries only in Mount Eden or something like that, you know. And they would take personally take the call. They would go and buy the if it's Indian, they'd go and buy the Indian takeaway themselves and then personally drop it off. And yep. they did it for months to really see that people really want it. Mm, they spent mm. zero dollars on advertising. They just told it to all their friends and just made pamphlets and right. in university printer <laughs> print it out and hand hand out the pamphlets in the uni- in Stanford campus and. And um, and and that's how they grew. Um, they didn't scale till quite later. It's like till one point they had gone and they were still doing this, you know, hand deliveries and mm. taking calls. All the founders taking calls themselves and yeah. <laughs> um, and no fancy algorithm in the back end, no fancy artificial intelligence, nothing fancy behind mm, it. Mm, Just a mm. MVP. They did it in a day, um, kind of a thing. And one day they were out there ordering ice cream. They had just ordered the ice cream, and and then and then a customer called that they want X, Y, and Z to eat. So <laughs> so they had to drop their ice cream and grow. And that's when they thought, okay, now it's uh, we want to have ice cream. So <laughs> so we we need to scale this. And that's when they later on went on to that journey to raise money and go and and because they had the traction, they had people really buying. They were really solving yep. a problem. Mm, um, mm. And that's all like we tried to help. Um, so yeah, that, and and that's what we've written in this book about. So the first part of the book goes through all these various case studies um, of um, popular startups like Dropbox. Yeah, there's a ho- there's a whole whole bunch of um, you know ones that people will have heard of, and you know some some that you won't have heard of. But yeah, it's I mean it's great being able to draw in. On those uh, those examples, those real world examples, and yeah, of course we have our own examples uh, here in New Zealand. I remember someone um, or a company that was you know came on the New Zealand Tech Podcast going back uh, maybe uh, maybe eighteen months ago. A company called Lazy As yes. uh, that were doing something similar, and yes. I looked them up the other day, and they you know there's there's just you know no no sign of them. And then there was another one uh, that they did, they sort of came in and, and took. Uh, yes. Took out in the market that that one's gone. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of reasons why you want to do this stuff uh, quickly and validate, and before you burn too much uh, of not just your own time and money, but you know, often the first investors are family and friends. Absolutely so, right. In you most know, cases, I, yes. I heard Lazy As took on a you know quite a lot of 
uh, investment in the in those early days. And you look, you know that that may have caused some real, you know, some real pain yeah. for those that have uh, invested, as it would with any uh, any any startup. So, yes. um, yeah, you you want to be able to uh, get this stuff happening as 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 quick as you can. So, yeah, uh, like um, I like the approach. Our recommendation is that um, just learning from experience and from from other entrepreneur friends and other founders as well is they don't go and ask for money until people are really using your product until mm, you have mm, traction yep. um, it might be hard in some cases but in most cases um, build something that people can use um, you don't have to build a complete product mm, um, mm. you can do the it's the this concept is called a concierge MVP where you do the job yourself, not the software. <laughs> um, and and if you prove the idea, if people are using it, people are paying you for it, then then there is a case to build something. Then there is a case, mm. and and people would be more than happy to fund you um, if there is demand for it. Yeah. Um, the other thing we did in this book was the the second part of it is about growth and and traction, and it's how to grow with minimal budget. Um, and growth is like something that I really, really enjoy. And, and that's my sort of primary role with various um, mm. um, startups has been around as well as is growth and how to grow. So there's just a that's for if you already have an existing business, then then go through those sort of growth tactics Um that you can adapt and there's sort of I've tried to break them down into um, key learnings or key takeaways and things you can implement straight away um, one of the thing that I um, one of the podcasts that I'm listening to these days is is Dan Locke and one thing that really um, stuck with me that he was saying is that the difference between other people reading book and him reading is that he he implements things from what he reads or what he where he goes. That's the key, isn't it? Yeah, like one conference you're saying, um, it was on digital marketing, and they were talking about pop-ups to collect email addresses. This is many years ago. So the first day guy was talking about pop-ups, and then so immediately went back home, called his web developer, and said, "Hey, can you put a pop-up up and give out a free ebook?" Um, so. Um, so I can collect more email addresses. And by next morning, he checked, the number of email addresses had doubled. Um, and then he said to his speaker that, hey, um, you taught about this. I implemented it last night and my uh, response rate has doubled. And there were 500 other people in that conference. The speaker was very impressed. The speaker asked, so how many people here implemented the same thing as, as this guy did? And not a single person raised their hand. It's like th- then there is no point. There's no point to going to conference or reading a book if you if you, you do not do implement yeah, straight yeah. away. So that's why I tried to do that. Have things that you can implement today itself. Um, add those sort of things in the book. Mm. So yeah, and uh, and I like that you uh, you f- you followed this idea of the the thirty thirty business day startup or six weeks yes uh, approach actually in uh, you know writing the book and yes. you didn't quite get it out in uh, in thirty days but uh, we you wrote it you within you thirty you know, you days yes. you weren't far off certainly from yeah. the writing perspective uh, and now you're uh, already ranking on uh, on Amazon with this and yes. so p- people can go and order uh, the thirty day startup on Amazon. And you you had a Kindle special on for it as well, right? Yes. So on um, 
as as you said, like we wrote this book in thirty days. We wrote it really, really fast because we wanted to practice what we preach um, and get it out there. Um, as soon as we got it out, um, I put it for free on Kindle so I can get some feedback. And we've got really good feedback now that I can now go and implement and get the next version out within the next month. And that's the whole idea of MVP. You keep improving, uh, keep iterating, keep improving, and repeat the process and ask for more feedback. And and that's as simple as it is. Yeah, so, well, yeah. That's, and that's the mindset that we have to you know we have to have today to yeah. be successful. Yeah. So yes. So go go ahead. Um, go to Kindle or go to Amazon dot com and look for Thirty Day Startup, and it should um, pop up. Or Thirty Day Startup dot io is the other place you can find it. Excellent. Or you can go to nztechpodcast dot com. Exactly survey, right. Yes. Uh, if you'd like one of the physical copies that we will be uh, giving away, and ev- anyone that's completed the survey. Uh, we'll go in for the draw of all of the uh, all of the giveaways that we're uh, give it, giving out um, on that. Which is we um, well the survey's online now, and we'll be announcing uh, more more giveaways over the next uh, next few weeks. Uh, but it doesn't matter when you do the survey; the sooner the better is helpful for us as we we think about how we might uh, change and improve and refresh the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, we sort of do a, a relaunch uh, mid year. Uh, so yeah, this, the sooner you can do that, the the better. And uh, as we get prizes and so on, we'll add uh, we'll add that detail in. But anyone that's filled out the survey uh, will certainly have that opportunity. All right, well that's uh, that's us for this episode. Thank you, Sam, for joining the show. Well, thank you, Paul, for yeah having me here, and it's it's been great fun. Great, thank you. Well, thanks everyone for listening in. We'll catch you again uh, next week on the next episode. See ya. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.